Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Yeshua for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And we ask, Lord God, that you will release your spirit upon us now, that we may grow and we may understand in Yeshua's name. I, I want to continue today so we won't lose the, the thread of what we've been doing. We've been working through the book of Hebrews. And uh, we've been working through it from verse by verse, verse by verse. And we uh, got to the place that talks about the, the foundations, the elementary teachings of Messiah that we should move on. And as I said to you when we first start teaching on that, it, has, it doesn't have anything, isn't, it doesn't have to do with uh, how much you understand intellectually. If you look at the context of that, that chapter, you'll see it has to do with walking out the things that are there. So it's not a matter of how smart, how much you know about these things, but whether or not you're living them out. That's when he says, we will move on from these, God willing. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't God want us to move on? Well, obviously, if we didn't learn to incorporate what God wants us to walk in in our lives, then he's going to keep bringing us back to the same teaching over and over again because we're showing that maybe we can, we intellectually have it up in our head, but we're not walking it out in our lives. God wants us to learn to walk things out. We're to walk by faith and obedience, and that's when we know we've gotten it. That's when we know we've arrived, when we begin to walk out what we have learned. And a lot of times we learn things here first, and it's a while before we actually incorporate them into our lives and begin to walk them out. And so that's what we were looking at, and we got to the foundations. We started with repentance from dead works, and we moved on to faith towards God, and then we moved into what was called doctrine of baptisms. And literally, it is plural, and I, I won't be able to, for the time I have, I won't be able to definitely do a long review, uh, but we, we walked through, we went back, walking through the Torah, to see uh, how that word works out throughout Torah. And we see all the various washings that were required for, from the priests washing before they enter into service to people washing for issues of leprosy, people washing because they had been out in battle and before they could come back into the camp, they had to go through various washings before they received. Lepers who would go and, and, and once they were proclaimed clean, then they had to go and wash. And we saw this sort of thing. But we also saw how it began to go from a, what seemingly was just an external washing to start talking about spiritual things. We looked at the Psalms, and we saw in the Psalms that there were uh, a lot, there was an emphasis where people began to understand that, that the physical washing could also speak to something deeper, which is a spiritual washing. Uh, it's almost like the thing about God saying, uh, um, Ring your, your heart, not your garments. You know, it was a practice in those days that if you had done something wrong and, and, and wicked and you said you repented, you would tear your garments. You ripped them and go down as a sign that you are repentant. But God at one time spoke to Israel and said, hey, ring your hearts, not your garments. And it's easy to do the external stuff, but God wants the change to come from within in your heart. That's where real change takes place inside of you, in your heart. Well, we, we saw that with the Psalms and other places that they begin to, the writers begin to apply the external washings to something they needed deep down inside in their hearts. So that would be that sort of washing and cleansing. We talked about how the waters, that the waters are used uh, for separation. Uh, today, to this very day, in some sects of Orthodox Judaism and among the Hasidic Jews, 
that uh, they, they would live, they'll have a, what they call a mikvah house. And um, people will go there, and it's not for uh, taking some soap out and cleansing yourself up and everything. You do that separately. But after you get all clean, it's a spiritual separation. As you go through those waters of the mikvah, as you go into the mikvah, and you, you, in a sense, are making a separation from the life that you had before. And when you come out, you come out a new person. You're like, hey, I'm not what was before. Uh, and I'm now different. I'm now clean. I now can go before God and, 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 and move on with life. And the old life is left behind. So we, we looked at a lot of those things. And then we moved into John's baptism. And we, we saw some principles uh, from John's baptism. And um, the one that, that I really want to emphasize again is the idea that, that John turned to some of the Pharisees that were coming his way uh, to be baptized by him. One group came, and he turned to that particular group, and instead of using that as an opportunity, I mean, that's a photo op opportunity. I mean, think about it from, from being in D.C. We're, all, we're very aware of the political scene, and we know any politician that's running out there has an opportunity that, to get a photo op. You know, hey, these are the leaders. These are the spiritual leaders of the community, and they're coming to participate in my my immersion, my, my baptism, this is, you know, hey, get out, the, get out the camera and take some pictures. Hey, yeah, these guys, put your arm around them. Yep, here's the head rabbi. It's a great opportunity. But John surprises us as he turns to them. He says to them, who told you to come and escape? Bring me fruits of repentance. And so one of the things we learn with John's baptism even though his baptism is a baptism of repentance, John did not baptize people who were not repentant. So in a way, it's not the baptism that causes the repentance. You must bring the goods ahead of time, and now it makes you a candidate to go through the baptism that was for repentance. So if you came up, you know, I'm not repentant, no way. Do what I want to do. And then John would say, get to stepping. I'm not listening to you. You come back when you have a change of heart, and then I'll, I'll baptize you. But until you bring me repentance, until you are repentance, you are not a candidate to go through these waters. So there's something we learn that generally people are already moving and in what they're about to be baptized into. There's already something that is taking place. And so we looked at that. And then we moved on, and we talked a little bit about Yeshua's baptism, if you remember, because that was very interesting. You know, why would Yeshua be baptized in the baptism of repentance when Yeshua is perfect in every way? He's the son of God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's never committed any sin. And yet he comes to John and John would do like any one of us would do. No, 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 no. I need to be baptized by you. <laughs> no, no. And Yeshua says, no, allow it to be so. Suffer it now that we will fulfill all righteousness. But Yeshua is already fully righteous, fully holy in every way. Why is he submitting to this? Because John's baptism, not only being a baptism of repentance, but it was also a preparation for the kingdom of God that was about to break into this world and the, the ministry that goes with that. Yeshua walking as a priest before God says we must fulfill all righteousness. So even the priest would get anointed in water to show that the ministry had begun. And so Yeshua is doing that. And it's at that moment that the Lord speaks from heaven. His Father speaks. 
as the Spirit of God comes down like a dove, the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, he is official. He can minister. He is righteous. It's sort of an affirmation of something that had already taken place. Remember, John, first of all, didn't baptize people who were unrepentant anyway. So all the people he baptized, none of them were unrepentant. He baptized people who were already repentant. Yeshua, being righteous and holy, was clearly walking in full righteousness. And God gives the affirmation to his call and confirms that he is the son of the living God. And now it's after that that what happens? He starts the work of his ministry. He's taken out by the spirit into the wilderness. He has a, has a showdown with, the, the, with Hasatan and they have a battle of things and establishing his call and order. And then he begins his work and his ministry. And so I want you to remember that because now we're going to move on to what some people call believer's baptism or discipleship baptism. And we want to look at that. And... Uh, the first place we look to that everybody thinks about is Matthew 28, that Yeshua, after his resurrection, speaks to his disciples, verse 18, and Yeshua came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, not believers, there's a difference. The scripture says in James, even the devils believe, but they tremble in fear. The number one word, and today we, like, we talk about people being believers, but if you walk through the book of Acts and to see what they refer to themselves, they had a lot of different ways to refer to themselves, but it really they didn't use the term believers. They used the term that they were disciples. That was the emphasis. And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, a disciple wants to become like his master. He's not just believing on something like a bunch of facts, but his, his purpose and direction to be like, the, like his teacher. It's not like even in college. Like when you're in college, you got a professor. You, let's face it, if, you, if you're in college, your number one concern is that you pass the exam. You may not, in fact, you may not even like the professor. You don't want to be like the professor in any form or fashion. But you do want to pass the exam. But that's because you're not a disciple of the professor. Now, sometimes some of the professors will tell you that, that most of their students, that's why they're there, uh, to pass the exam. But every once in a while, a professor will tell you there'll be a, one or two students in their class that they sense it's not about just passing the exam. But they really, really have embraced in their heart the call of the thing they're trying to get the degree in. And you will respond to that, that person because that person not only wants to pass your exam, let's say you're like Dr. Tote. They want to be like Dr. Toad. They say, we want to be like you. We want to do what you do. We want to work like you work. We want to be like you. And it goes beyond the classroom. And so that's what the Lord, first of all, is a reminder. He's calling us to become disciples, a tamadim, that he wants us to be, have a desire to be like him in all ways. And that's what we seek to do when we proclaim the gospel. We're not saying, hey, come and join a Havat Yeshua because that's the goal. No, God may call you elsewhere. But one thing that he doesn't change in his calling, no matter where you end up and no matter where you land, he wants you to be a disciple. He wants you to follow after him with your entire being, spirit, soul, and body. That's the desire he has for you, that you will become like Yeshua in every way. And that becomes your passion to be like him. So we read here, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then we move on, and throughout the book of Acts, we see this being walked out. Uh, one key verse that, that we want to look at is in Acts 2. In Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit has fallen on all the disciples on the day of Shavuot, that the people are amazed what's going on. And we'll have more to say about that when we get into the Holy Spirit immersion. And the people who are listening are convicted. Peter gives a good sermon. And after his sermon, the people are convicted and they have a question. Men and brethren, what must we do? It says in verse 37 of chapter 2 of Acts, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, have a change of heart, have a change of direction, return to the Lord, teshuva, return to the Lord, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says that day, 3,000 souls went through the waters of baptism. And we see this repeated over and over again in various places. Uh, we turn over to Acts, the eighth chapter. This is, this is the time that, that they're in, um, going to the Samaritans and they're preaching. We know about Simon the sorcerer and all those things. And it says very clearly uh, that when they were preaching the message that the people were baptized, that they all were baptized, believing, calling on the name of the Lord. Even it says in verse 13 that Simon himself, who was a sorcerer, also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. So all those people who believe concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Yeshua, both men and women, verse, 20, verse 12, were baptized. They all were baptized. That's very important to know that. Uh, also in um, Acts 8, verse 36, we have uh, another story that came along. This was an Ethiopian guy. He's kind of traveling along, probably leaving because of the feast. He's leaving from the feast, and he's coming back, and here's Philip, who's being led by the Holy Spirit, and he's walking along looking for where God's going to lead him to minister next, and he sees this caravan going, and the Spirit of the Lord says, go join yourself to that caravan, and it wasn't like, you know, the sense of us, do it now, and he does that. He goes, and he joins himself to that caravan, and it's perfect timing, because when he gets there, you know, the, the Ethiopians say, yeah, come on up here and sit with me, and he says, hey, he says, what's going on? He says to the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian guy says, look, well, I'm, I'm reading the, a, a particular scroll of the scriptures, and I'm trying to understand, is the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? Uh, can you help me? And he goes, well, what, what are you talking about? And so here he is, and he finds out he's in Isaiah, and he's right there in Isaiah where it's talking about the, who, who shall believe the report of the Lord? Who, who, who shall believe this? That this one who is going to be sacrificed for the sins of Israel. He says, who is he talking about? Wouldn't you love to have that? Wouldn't you love to be walking along and you're trying to get an Uber ride, you know, and, and the Uber thing pulls up and you hop in the Uber thing and the guy driving the Uber, he has a little note. He says, hey, what's that? He says, well, I'm studying this book of the Bible and I want to know this Isaiah passage. Who is it talking about? 
You're like, I am glad you picked me up. Because it's just a, a stage setting. You can't, you can't get a setting better than that. I mean, it's just, just a wonderful setting. And he goes on. And, and let's read a little bit about that. Acts 8. Uh, Philip asks, do you know, understand what you're reading? He says, verse 31, 8 chapter of Acts. How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was thus. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his share is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Yeshua to him. And then as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch says, so, see, here, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua the Messiah is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more. Now, there's a couple of things to learn from this. They went down into the water. It wasn't just, you know, Philip didn't have a little pouch with, some, with a bag of water and put a little water in his hand and sprinkle it on the guy and said, now you're baptized. The guy understood that the waters of mikvah had to do with going through the waters. He understood that it involved immersion. Actually, the word baptizo in Greek means to immerse to dip, to put under. It literally has a meaning in, in, in classical Greek that it was used uh, in a common way where people would dye their clothing. And if anybody knows about how you dye clothing, you, you can't just throw stuff on it. You put it under. And when I was a kid, my mom used to make something and I wanted a different color. And she would go out and get these big pans and she would pour hot water and then she put the dye mix in. And once it got all mixed, she would take that material and she would immerse it until it took on the nature of what it was immersed into. It became for, so it became totally saturated so that it would change colors. It would be different. That's the sense of what baptizo means. To immerse, to take on the nature of whatever it is that you're being, you're being baptized into, that that change is taking place. So it is immersion. It's not sprinkling. It's not pouring. There's a place for sprinkling and pouring and other things, but the way, the general form and format that the disciples immersed people was immersion. And baptism was immersion. It wasn't sprinkling. It wasn't pouring was immersion. That's just, that's it. And you see this over and over again throughout the scriptures of, of this thing of, of being immersed, of going into the water and having to have to have a lot of water and that sort of thing. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. You can look at it on your own for time's sake. Acts 9, 18, Acts 10, 47, Acts 16, 15, Acts 18, 8, Acts 19, 5, Acts 22, 16, and, uh, but the one I want to look at right now is Romans 6. Thank you, Lord. Romans 6, verse 3. 
Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, immersed into Messiah Yeshua, were immersed into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Notice this thing of being buried with him. I don't know how you can accomplish that with just a little sprinkling. It doesn't have the same imagery. It is understood that they understood. That was what they did. So that's, that's the illustration that they used, that they were immersed. They were put through the waters. In Judaism, by that time, they had developed a very clear system of going through the mikvah that you will be considered a born-again person, a changed person, that when you go through that waters, you came up a new person, a, a, a different. That was the illustration. That's what people understood. It wasn't for physically cleaning yourself. In fact, just like with John the baptizer in his baptism of repentance, the disciples or anybody who's going to come to Yeshua, I'm just going to ask you the million-dollar questions. Very simple. Do you baptize people who believe in Yeshua or those who don't? Who do you baptize? Say it again. When somebody comes up as a candidate for baptism, do they believe in Yeshua or do they not believe in Yeshua? Which one is it? Tell me. They believe in Yeshua. You do not baptize people who are unbelievers. You baptize people who have already embraced the Messiah, experienced the spiritual change that translated them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. They've already had an interaction with God. Now they're in a position to fulfill all righteousness. And the first step when it's available to them to fulfill all righteousness is to go through the waters of mikvah. If somebody does not believe in Yeshua and they're a sinner, and they line up to get baptized and they are a dry sinner, and they get baptized, and they come out, they come out not a believer, but a wet sinner. They need to have the experience of being born again on a spiritual level first. You baptize people who believe, not people who do not believe. Just like the eunuch, what keeps me from going to the waters of mikvah. Well, do you believe? Yes, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. All right, stop the chariot right now. Let's go down in the water. Let's seal this thing to say that, 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 that you have done something that now makes you a candidate to go through the waters and come out. Here's the interesting thing. If you go back in Leviticus and study the whole thing of leprosy, let me ask you a question. Do you baptize, do you take people's, the baptism that was used in leprosy, they used baptism, there was washing involved. Did you wash lepers? When did you wash them? While they were still lepers? No, they would show themselves to the priest. The priest would examine them. He would see that the leprosy was gone. And then the priest would say, now go and wash yourself. You mean the washing didn't make them clean? No. God made them clean. They're now to wash, to seal what has happened in the spirit. 
The reason why we baptize people who are believers, one, is to seal by God the call that God has placed on their life, and two, as an outward sign of what has happened to them spiritually, that they have been buried with the Messiah, their old man, their old life, and when they come out, they're saying, now I am a new and living person. When I became a believer, embraced the Lord, and some of my old friends who knew me from way back in the day, who have stuff they could tell you that you go like, what? Pastor Ralph? I can't believe he did that. Well, I can assure you that Pastor Ralph never did that. In fact, some of the guys that I knew came to me, and they wanted to know. I had another name that I won't mention, that it was my nickname in those days, that was given by my martial arts instructor. And they they came to me, come on, man, you know, what's your angle? We know you. You always got some angle on something. So what's your angle? What's going on here? And I said, I've met the true God of the universe. I've come to know him. I've embraced him. Come on, man, we know you got an angle. And then one of the guys looked me in the face and says, we know you. And we know the stuff you have done. And they start going down the list of all the things. When they finish, I looked at them with a plain face and says, I've never done any of those things. And they look, now you're crazy. Because we were there. I said, I can assure you that the man standing in front of you right now has never done any of those things. And then I've been to preach Yeshua and how he changes you, forgives you, washes you, makes you clean, that, that old things pass away and all things are made new. The scripture says you are a new creation in Messiah. And so whatever you had before is gone. You are a new and living person. And you shouldn't be living back in yesterday. Well, I did this, that, and the other. Who cares? If you've met the Messiah, he has washed that stuff away, and now you are a new and living creation, a new person, and you're to walk in that newness of life, and your identity becomes an identity of a child of God. And people will try to bring up your past as Satan's favorite pastime, bringing up your past, all the stuff you did, trying to make you feel bad, look bad, whatever, and you can really look at them and say, I've never done that. And people look at you like you're crazy. What, I was there with you. No, that person you're talking about, he was buried. Before he was buried, he was nailed to the tree with the Messiah. So his power was taken away. And then he was taken off of that and put down and buried. He is dead. He's no longer alive. And the person you see standing before you right now has been raised to sit in the heavenly places with the Messiah. I am a new person. I'm not who I was before. And that's part of the thing we need to see, that when you come through the, the, the believers, the discipleship baptism, you are making a declaration that you have embraced the King of Kings, the Lord, and his salvation, and all that goes with that, and who you were before is being put in the water. And somebody says, so well, then are you saying you don't have to be water baptized to be saved? You know, sometimes people ask questions I think are silly. You see, I think our questions should always be in line, like, like what Liz was saying, her children grabbing onto her and wanting to do what she does. You know, they're not asking all these questions. They just want, I want to do what you do. Well, we're pursuing after God. Then we really should be like, what's next? What's next? What do I need to do next? Not trying to figure a way, you know, see in the line of salvation and say, well, how close... 
How close do I get to go? I want to go all the way over. Whatever it is you tell me to do, I will do. I don't need to know why. I just want to do it. I knew this guy one time, he had said he, he, he did a public confession that he believed in Messiah, but he did not want to submit to water baptism. And he said, well, I, and you know, he, he repented of a lot of sins and he embraced, he proclaimed Yeshua as Lord, but he would not submit to water baptism. And everybody was wrestling with the guy. And he even went as far as saying, well, I was walking in the rain today and I got wet, won't that count for baptism? And so finally I just said to him, what's your issue? Why is it that you want to walk in rebellion when God has done so much to free you? Why are you choosing to live the life you had before and walk in rebellion and not do all that he said that's available to you? I grant you that if you come to the Lord and you are tied down by somebody, like nailed to the tree like the man that was sitting there with Yeshua on the other cross and he came to faith and yet he couldn't like get off of that cross and go find the nearest water and get immersed as he didn't have the capability. I can understand if you were somewhere in in, in the North Pole and Antarctica and the ice is frozen over and, and you traveling and, and, and you came to faith in the Lord at that point and the ice is like 15 feet thick. I got a feeling you can't get immersed at that point. And, but the people with you want to do something. So they might pull out a little water and just say, this is just symbolic. When the first chance you get to where there's some, some good water, you go ahead and go through the water so you have a full experience. So when it's in your power to do it and you don't do it, What's, what's up with that? What's going on with your heart? Have you really been born again? Have you really submitted yourself to the Lord? Because I'm going to tell you, when I came to faith and God showed me the truth of Yeshua, wild horses couldn't keep me away from a baptismal. And I really didn't understand all the denominational stuff when I came to faith. I do now. I can talk about all the different denominations, what they believe and all that. But back then, I didn't know a thing about it. All I wanted to know is who put you in the water and my parents were Baptists, and I said, well, they do it. They put you, they, they're Baptists, they baptize. I just went home and just said, put me in the water. Amen. That's what I wanted. And they started talking to me about joining the church. I looked at them strange. Well, I don't know about all that stuff. Just, but do y'all, are you going to put me in the water? I mean, that's all I want to know. Well, you got to accept Jesus. I've done that. I've done that. I've accepted him. He has changed my life. And now I want to fulfill all righteousness. And part of that fulfilling all righteousness is going through the waters to make that change. So the baptizer, it could be any believer. The baptizee is the person who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah. The substance is water. And the purpose is into relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people get in a whole argument of saying, what words need to be said over you? When you're baptized, and people have split over that. Congregations have split over, well, what did they say over you when you were baptized? One friend of mine said, I don't know. I was under the water, and I couldn't hear what they said. <laughs> I have no idea. I knew a guy, we'll end with this, because I know at the end of the time. Years ago, I was involved in a, for the summer, I had a job. I was in school, and I had gotten a job uh, running this program down at Virginia State University. And while I was there, I connected with an up-and-coming ministry, which grew into a very large ministry under Wellington Boom. And he just had a small congregation at the time, and it was a wonderful time. It was one of those things, if you ever walked in on somebody else's prayer labor, and what I mean by that, that people have been praying for that campus for years, and I happened to get there when God was saying, it's time for these prayers to come down to the earth with shakings. And I tell you, one of the most easiest times in my life to see people get saved. 
I mean, literally, I've shared, some of you know this, I used to just walk into the cafeteria that was on the campus and literally just look around and say, okay, who's getting saved today? And the Spirit of the Lord, most of the time, I listen, one time I didn't, but God turned it around anyway, but most of the time the Spirit of the Lord said, go to that person. I'll sit down with that person. Before we left that cafeteria, they were embracing Yeshua as, a, as Lord. And I'd already become part of Messianic Judaism. So I'm introducing Wellington Boone and all of them to Messianic stuff. They had never heard it. And but God was moving. People getting saved left and right. The power of God was there. Great healings, miracles, signs, prophetic things. It was wonderful. And yet there was this one guy who came alone who wasn't part of Boone's group and everything, but he was on the campus, and he was from this group that, that says, well, if the right words aren't said over you when you get baptized, it doesn't matter all that other stuff. You're not saved. He believed that it was the water that saved you. And so he and I got into a discussion. And I tried to share some Messianic Jewish things about the mikvah and all that. He wasn't really listening. He didn't want to hear it. And so he, but he says, hey, you know, his church was local. He says, hey, we, if you got some free time, we, you know, we have a Bible study. You can come and join. I said, I got free time. I like to come to a Bible study. And so I show up at this Bible study. When I walk into the room, there's the bishop of their congregation sitting there with maybe about 15, 20 people around. And as I came in, the guy looked at me, and then the bishop looked at him. They nodded their heads, and the bishop changed the conversation. He said, oh, let's, uh, let's move on to something else. Because I had taught this guy about the name of Yeshua. So he went back to his bishop to tell him, well, there's a guy walking around talking about Yeshua instead of talking about Jesus. And so this, this bishop began to teach that unless you were baptized in the name of Jesus, you're not saved. If they don't say Jesus over you, you're not saved. And he went on and on and on condemning all those places that do unto the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, none of them are saved. They're all cursed and they're all going to hell. And I'm like, oh my. Then his friend was off stage. Yes. What about the name of Yeshua? Some people preach the name of Yeshua. Well, I was that person. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, you know it's me. Why would you? I'm thinking, why you ask the question like that? Well, it it was a setup. So immediately the bishop began to go on. Oh, the name Yeshua can't save you. The name Yeshua, my Bible says in Jesus, and Yeshua's name can't save you. That's a pagan name, has no salvation thing. And at that point, I got up and just started walking out. I wasn't going to argue with this guy. And I just started walking out, and the guy followed me out. He says, oh, where are you going? I said, I just don't even want to deal with that. You know, I've, I've explained all that to you. Obviously, you've gone and talked to him. And I said, the fact that this guy, who is your leader, will sit there, and say that the name of Yeshua is a wicked pagan name, my heart goes out to him. You know, and so I looked at him, and he, he didn't get it. I said, I can assure you with 100% confidence that none of the apostles ever said in the name of Jesus Christ to the people they baptize. He's like, but what's right here in the Bible? I said, yes, it is in your Bible, but not, they didn't say that. I said, don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem saying in the name of Jesus Christ. I think the name of Jesus, I know the name of the rise is just, just as powerful and say the name of Jesus as to say in the name of Yeshua. I said, I just wanted to make the point that nobody said over them in the day when Peter says, unless you're baptized, and it says in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. You know why? He didn't speak English. 
No had it been developed by that time. There's only two languages he would have spoken, and being that he was spoken to, speaking to mostly Jewish people, it would have either been Hebrew or Aramaic, or if he decided to speak in the language of the day, it would have been Greek. So we could make an argument that maybe he said, Jesus Christos, but most of them, when he was talking to Jewish people, probably he said, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. And so when people get all caught up with that, they're confusing some issues. They think that the word itself, Yeshua in itself, and hear me out on this, the word Yeshua itself has some sort of uh, power of its own, that by just saying Yeshua without the relationship, without the covenant agreement has power. Well, there were some guys who were involved in exorcism found out just by saying in the name of Yeshua that Paul preaches, I command you to leave, it didn't work for them. Also, Yeshua's name was a very common Jewish name. He wasn't the only Yeshua. He was the only Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. But you need the relationship with the Father and that name to be able to have the authority to use it. It's just like being a police officer, can't walk out in the street, right in the middle of traffic, put his hand up, and says, in the name of the law, stop. You go try it. <laughs> During rush hour when people want to get home, see how far it will get you. In the name of the, whoa! <laughs> get out the way. But when people see that police officer with his badge and all that, they realize that he has a relationship with the law in such a way that he has authority to use that name. So the name has its magic in itself. You need to understand it's the relationship you have with Yeshua and the authority and power that you belong to him that you can go and rep represent him in times of ministry and you can come against demonic spirits, you can pray for people's healing, all in the name of Yeshua, which means to pray in the authority that he's given you, but you gotta have that authority and the relationship to have that authority. Do you understand? All right, we got to close on that. I had a whole lot more, but we got to get to some praise and worship.